0: Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference returns to Miami Beach on April 11th and 12th. I may be biased, but I'm telling you this event is a can't miss. Join us to build the foundation of your next game-changing deal with CEOs and decision makers from leading companies in the industry. We're talking about the next wave of businesses, strategies from the most profitable businesses, and exactly what investors are looking for in a challenging market. Go to bzcannabis.com to meet your next investor, co-founder, and new friends a little pro tip from me right now tickets are one thousand dollars cheaper than prices at the door get yours now all right all right here we are i don't think our youtube channel got the intro video but you all got to watch us uh and you got they got to watch us listen to the intro video and that was really exciting really? for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> see, Javi, you got to be detail-oriented, man. Welcome into Cannabis Insider. Thrilled to have everybody with us. This is Elliot Lane and Javier Hase. We are your mans with the plans. Oh, that was really bad. Uh, change agent, as always, <laughs> good to have you, my friend. VFF, oh. they are doing that raise. Um, <laughs> you know, I got to admit, VFF wasn't the stock I thought we were going to get first today. Uh <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of interesting news in the markets. Um, I'm really excited about our first guest. Uh, Going to talk about California with us and operating in that market. The pros, the cons, the tests, uh, the men with the plan. Thank you, thank you, Tiny Pie. Appreciate that. The men with the plan. Um, <laughs> but well, we we are starting with Jigar Patel, uh, who's a CEO and I think co-founder of NorCal Cannabis. Really excited to have him on. It's our first time. Uh, interviewing anybody from NorCal. Uh, so that's really exciting. And then we're going to wrap up today's show with Ben Jennings, the Chief Revenue Officer of Embroker, a very important um, kind of tech uh, insurance play in this space. And, and I, I think you guys are going to hear what they say in regards to, A, you know, protecting yourselves, but also how you innovate that side of this business. And, and they're doing some really cool things. I'm pumped about that. Without further ado, Javier, you literally literally have two minutes
1: yeah Uh, i mean so for all news i want to i want to get your thoughts on on village farms right considering it's it's right there in the chat bff on the nasdaq right they announced today a 25 million dollar a registered direct offering uh for the purchase and sale of uh, 18.35 million shares of its common stock with warrants to purchase up to well whatever just Um, and the, the stock is down like by double digits. The last time I checked, it was like 38%. Um, if I had to check now again on Benzinga pro, it would be even lower. Probably it's 37.4.
0: I think it's aggressive both on their end and also the reaction in the market. And I think there was a lot of, uh, people seem to ignore, the positives out of village farms today, pretty you know they they really just said they didn't care that the with the fact that village farms literally is the number one brand in Canada now, like they they took market share. They are ahead of canopy, they're ahead of their their competitors um, and, and village farms, according to high fire data and cantor Fitzgerald and Pablo Zwanich, village farms is 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 in the lead in Canada, and I don't think uh, both of those items announced today. Um, was a, a good thing for them. Obviously, the, the negative outweighed the pro. Um, so, I mean, it's just it's an unfortunate reaction. But ideally, this means we'll see a correction tomorrow.
1: Yep. And by the way, just yesterday, we published a very interesting article by Ryan Douglas of Ryan Douglas Cultivation titled, Can Cucumbers Save a Cannabis Company? The answer is likely not. But it does uh, relate to Village Farms, which is one of the companies that uh, does um, work outside of cannabis. Um, Even Glasshouse Farms uh, does something similar. Tilray is now trying to experiment as well. So very interesting article. Benzinga.com slash cannabis. You can find the analysis by our good friend Ryan Douglas.
0: Love it. Awesome, my friend. Give us a little rapid fire here. We're already over two minutes, so
1: yep. Let's <laughs> you don't do it literally get two
0: minutes. You get literally yep. more.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to make it super fast. New York regulators nearly double the number of legal marijuana retailers approving 30 additional applications for the conditional adult use retail dispensary licenses. The FDA saying that food and supplements regulations not, are not appropriate for CBD and will work with Congress to change them and come up with new regulations. And of course, the big news of the day today beyond village farms with cureleaf holdings, that is CURLF, uh, which is doing very aggressive cost-cutting measures, shutting down a majority of operations in three states. Those three states being California, Colorado, and Oregon. I'm sure our first guest might have some yeah. um, input on this. So let's bring him on. What, oh, hold on, what hold on, think? hold on, hold, hold on one second. No? Hold
0: on, and I, hold on one second. <laughs> Jigger. very excited to get you up. Uh, but just one second. <laughs> it, who, I, I thought this was just so, un not unfortunate, but like, I almost felt bad for an investment bank. Almost. I don't really feel bad for any investment bank, but I almost felt bad for this one. Um, so today, who who initiated? ATB initiates coverage on cure <laughs> with a buy and a canadian ten dollar price target um
1: <laughs> I, well, these are long term these are it's long
0: long-term. term i know it's just the irony of it all and listen like you can't just downplay the importance of cure Relief. you can't just say oh they suck i knew they were terrible uh, that that's not realistic that's not life right but it, it was just it's just the timing, right? And it's in timing for Village Farms, timing for leave, timing for cannabis stocks, just all in all today. We're not sinking for the companies. Uh, but, you know, I think we can get a little bit more into maybe, maybe some perspective of why uh, a little bit later, um, or, you know, maybe how companies are succeeding in California. And I'm really excited to have that conversation. So, with that being said, we are going to get to our guests. We had a very, and I think this is on the, the technical side. So, no blame on us. It was an awkward start. So, we're going to let our guests save us. We're gonna let Jigger Patel come in and drop some knowledge bombs on us, followed by Ben Jennings. But let's let's bring him over now, Javi.
1: No, not me. Okay. Should be me.
0: Oh man. Jigger, you're watching us succeed and fail with technology, my friend. And here we are. But it's in all
1: fairness. To- we're doing this with our, our, our producer, Aaron Thomas.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that being said, you are an amazing producer yourself. But Jigger Patel, CEO of NorCal Cannabis, how are you, sir?
2: I am doing well. And by the way, I would not be able to do any of the things you just got done without your producer. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I would appreciate that. And honestly, Javier probably appreciates it a lot more. But tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How long have you been in cannabis? How'd you get into the space?
2: Yeah, I man, longtime user. Um, you know, cannabis kind of changed my outlook on life, didn't follow the traditional Indian path that maybe my parents would have hoped for. But, uh, you know, through cannabis, just saw a different world. And, you know, while I was at Purdue University, learned about what was going on uh, in California uh, post uh, Prop 215. So like in 1996 um, and followed it really closely for about five years before I decided that I really wanted to be part of the movement. And so uh Picked up and moved to California in the early 2000s, and really engrossed myself. Um, actually moved to Sonoma County because it was the, at that time probably the safest place under Prop 215 to uh, grow indoor. Um, the laws were very favorable for the providers at that time, so moved here and really jumped into you know the political, the cultural, um, you know, and the regulatory scene to understand how you could do this legally. Um, and at that time, which was really the only state that had that type of market. Right. So, you know, early on and, and it was just a different game, right. These weren't businesses that had enterprise values. So you had to, you had to have a different business model. And quite frankly, like it was built on relationships uh, and really relationships, you know, from the farmers into the dispensaries that were that, that existed at the time, Um, you know, fast forward to 2015, um, a friend of mine was working uh, in San Francisco and basically um, had worked with the city to to actually um, get the first permitted cultivations off the ground. And so, wow. you know, that was kind of the pre-Prop 64 aha moment for me. And so I I jumped in um, and developed a project entitled Develop, built out a project and operated that in the city. And while I was doing so, um, met my other two co-founders, uh, Doug Cortina and Dr. Blair Carter, who were doing a very similar project. Um, you know, what we had done was pool our money together on my side um, and we're doing with our own money. And what those guys were doing were, was actually raising some capital from friends and family. And, and what we saw was um, great synergies really between the two groups. And, you know, we probably met and about six months later decided to join forces and that was really the beginning of NorCal cannabis. And, you know, from there, we, uh, we entitled a, on the first uh, delivery um, dispensaries in California, which later grew to be, you know, our, are really our statewide footprint and delivery um, facilitating for a tech platform uh, back then, you know, almost 3,000 deliveries a day. So our focus really, you know, went from cultivation to delivery, um, and then today back to cultivation. So. There's a lot. There's a lot in between there, uh-huh. but uh, that's what actually, a, really what I've been doing for the last two decades.
0: A quick clarification, then Javi can jump in. Uh, how old is more How cannabis? Like how you you were seem to be an OG. So I just want to get a sense of that.
2: I mean, you, you, like, there's people in this organization that have been parts of the collectives that we were part of for 20 plus years. Um, you know, but if you look at the you know the the real enterprise and and the real entities that had enterprise value. Uh, I would say the beginning of those SPVs were in 2015,
1: 2016. I, I remember a few items. I, for some reason, like 2019 was a very hot year for Oracle Cannabis. And I remember when you launched a collaboration with Chelsea Handler. Um, I'm curious, are you still doing any kind of celebrity collaborations? Is this something that garnered good results for you um, I'm I'm just curious generally, like what's your view on on celebrity products now that you've had a you know experience with it?
2: We've done other celebrity brands that a lot of folks just didn't know about. So we were the operators or the fulfillment partners for brands. You know, when we were working with Chelsea, we really saw a lot of um, we saw the potential for that brand. I think what hit us was that we were going to create a vape brand. Um, You know, and when Vapegate hit right in the middle of that, we really had to think twice about what we were doing and you know, rightfully so, we abandoned that project. Now, so I think celebrity brands work in the space. It depends on which market you're in. They don't work very well in California, is what I would say. Hmm. But I also don't think that the cannabis market is mature enough for those celebrity brands to have an impact, right? They're not commanding a premium over what just another product would get that didn't have that celebrity endorsement. So I I don't, I'm not sure if the juice is worth the squeeze. Interesting.
0: So- You've been around a while. And honestly, you've been around longer than I think some of these MSOs have. Um, But talk to me about your growth strategy because we've seen a lot of different ones uh, in this industry. And it seems like, you know, from your website, you value vertical integration. However, it seems like you also very much value California, whereas many others have tried to conquer other states, uh, maybe surface level in other states or go deep in one state and then touch another. But can you talk to me about how you are growing your business. You are taking NorCal, you're taking market share, and you're being competitive with it.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, you, you brought up an important point about vertical integration. And while we still have retail stores, I think what we realized in California is that when you fast forward the tape, and, and I believe California is 10 to 15 years ahead of all these other states um, in terms of competition, uh, maybe not Colorado and Oregon, but um, I, I think what, what we recognize is to be competitive at scale, like you either have to have a very small vertical um, that has good margins and, and good operate operations in between um, or trying to, to pull together a vertical in a state like California where there is, you know, you, you're basically operating within five different states. You know, for us to move all of our product like some of the MSOs do through their own retail stores, I'd have to have 50 stores doing, you know, Five to ten million a piece in California to actually make that work, just to move our CPG branded flour. So I think that that's a very heavy lift, and I don't think the market's therefore ready for it here. And I, and I think if you look towards the future, you know our outlook is that we believe that there will be specialists within in cannabis. There will be groups that are just doing CPG stuff. There will be the retailers. There will be the distributors. Um, and I think because of what's happening in California, it's forced us into taking a stand on that. And we've really kind of dove into our CPG flower brands and then other products that we make alongside of that, whether that be in-house or through third parties.
1: I, I have another follow-up and this, is like, again, like kind of uh, backward looking in some way. Right. But like talking a little bit about star power. Uh, another uh, thing I remember is when you, when you uh, got uh, Joel Lunenfeld uh, on board, he used to be like a VP for, for Twitter global strategies VP for Twitter. Is he still with you? And like, how, how do you attract that kind of talent, right. From very mainstream industries to it. Yeah. I mean, we did a
2: really great job. I think one of the things that gets that people don't remember is when NorCal was formed, like we put together an all-star roster of folks, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, our outlook was we were a cannabis company, but we're also in the Bay area and there's a lot of great talent out here. That's forward thinking. Um, You know, and Joel was an early investor. And, you know, as we kind of just met with Joel, learned about Joel and, you know, he retired from Twitter and and kind of gave him our vision of brand and how brands would win the day and how we want to do that through kind of tech. Um, He was a logical fit, right? So we were looking for a chief marketing officer that could have either been really heavy in CPG or heavy in tech. And I think, you know, at the time it was a great move for us because Joel brought so much with him he, he he taught us how to be um i think a better company how to behave um in a better manner and 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 i th- i don't mean that like like people weren't running around crazy but joel just brought this professionalism that i still to this day like look up to and he remains very close with the company and i'll tell you when joel left um i think it was really because he saw that the industry just wasn't ready enough for his talents right i mean early on we attracted top talent from really everybody that you can name, like whether it was Google or um, Instagram, any of the Twitter, any of the folks like in in uh, the, the San Francisco Bay Area that you can name, we had those people on staff and it, it was good to see that. And one of the things it did do for us though, is it told us that we needed to meld kind of modern business practices with what we knew from legacy operations, if we were really gonna do that. And I think that's something that we've continued on from those days is really kind of blending legacy and technology into what we do. A perfect example is our brand Lolo. You know, we did a consumer segment study um, when Joel and his team first came on in the business intelligence unit that they they had created. And what it basically told us was that the power, what we'd known this right from our years of experience was, you know, the power user was making up for 80% of the flour, And what they cared about was quality, consistency, and price. And that's what we built the brand on. And you know, there's a reason why Lola was the number one flower brand in California by units sold and number two by dollars last year. Um, and it's because we hit those marks, right? We've been working towards quality, consistency, and price.
1: Nice. Fantastic.
0: So real quick from the chat, and then I have one more question, if that's all right, Javi, um, from Rusticale, what's your opinion on the oversupply of cannabis in 21 and 22? Do you feel demand will start to outweigh supply? in 2023, considering the closing of many different sized Northern California producers?
2: Great question. I think that you're seeing a drop. And we pay attention to both markets because it's important, right? Um, and because we are in California, it's just it's prevalent, right? So we do believe um, that you'll see a little uptick this year. Um, but look, a lot of folks just didn't have the capital to plant. A lot of folks went through a lot of crazy things this winter with the floods. Um, but generally speaking, I think what we're going to see is more of a leveling off. I think that we'll probably probably see um, a little uptick in pricing, call it for the next year, and I think we'll start to see stabilization, um, probably over the next two years. Um, I, I think one of the things that that people are neglecting is while maybe California is producing less, other states that have weird regulatory Um, frameworks are producing more, right? You have your Oklahoma's, your Oregon's, your Michigan's that still allow for, I don't want to say unregulated um, cultivation, but very lax cultivation, right? And there there doesn't seem to be um, very much government crackdown or, or like California, it's just, you know, it's impossible to continue to play that game of whack-a-mole. But what's happened in California is you've seen a lot of the organized groups that were working here previously, have left the state because they've found easier states to operate in because California is doing something to go after some of the larger groups in the state.
0: Interesting. Well, and that kind of takes me to my next point. Um, You know, what, what is the best strategy to operate in California just seeing as we've seen so many of these large corporate style cannabis companies struggle in, in the west coast specifically and and that's after they've all admitted that that's where all the all the weed is going to be grown <laughs> once the inter- interstate commerce is available if if it ever is for that matter but i'm just curious from your point of view what, what is a positive strategy when approaching california
2: well i think it's it's important to recognize that the people that have been doing this here have been doing like i said for decades right and we have a lot of insight and while we didn't have the the data set tech and the technology that we had call it 20 years ago we've seen these cycles right Mm -hmm. so one of the things that you get in california operators is this ability to adapt and pivot very quickly some of these larger organizations to make a pivot like you know that's a six month eight month thing to just get a yes for a decision we can make a decision here pretty quickly and pivot Mm -hmm. and get it into production in less than two months right I, i mean that's that's definitely one of the the things that that you're going to see in California is this ability to be nimble in decision making, um, and I think, you know, when you look at the people that are winning in California, it's the ones that understand what they do and try and do one thing really good, right? Which is why we focus back to CPG flour. We know our bread and butter is in our cultivation. We we consider ourselves some of the best or most efficient um, indoor operators in the world, and and again. Because of that and our understanding of product market fit, because of our long-term relationships to different parts of the state. And and let me remind you, this is a very big state. There's probably five or different kind of little five large regions of buying power in the state. And they all buy very, very different. Um, And I think what we have is that historical knowledge that helps us facilitate what we do in those different places, um, which these guys just didn't have. Right? They weren't built for that. Um, And so that that is an advantage for us. But I think when you start to talk about winners in California, and by by no means are there there people that are just making money hand over foot here. We all acknowledge that. I I think that that's important. But we do recognize how important this market is and how important it is to be a great operator in this market. Hmm. Um, And so, you know, what I'm looking at now is like, you know, although we have retail, we have great retail partners that are maturing and are running retail Mm -hmm. as good as anybody in the game. They're learning how to do you know, the $50 million store, but also run $3 million stores across the state around it. Um, So you're seeing kind of this rise of the retail chains here in the state that are doing really, really well at retail. They have more modern and mature buying habits, Um, you know, and now they're working with companies that are building their production schedules to actually fit what the people need instead of just growing stuff and throwing it at retailers and say, sell this, right? The market is beginning to mature. And I think what you're going to start to see is those operators that are are able to adapt to that maturity, um, the ones that are able to combine forces with other pieces of supply chain are really, really going to start to show, I think, in the next two years.
1: Very, very cool. Great answer. Jigar Patel is the CEO of NorCal Cannabis. Thank you so much for joining us at Benzinga Cannabis Insider. And we hope to see you again very soon.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jigar. Be well, man.
0: Awesome. I loved... Everything that man just said. That was awesome. Yeah, really appreciate his insights. We've been having some just executives that are nailing it recently. If you missed our interview on Tuesday with the CEO of SunMed, I mean, his insights on hemp were incredible. (laughs) uh, Jigger's insights on California – Incredible. We've had amazing compliance discussions. Well, I've had amazing compliance discussions because Javier has just recently <laughs> returned. Uh, so check out the episodes from earlier this year, y'all. With that being said, thrilled and happy to bring on Ben Jennings, the CRO of M Broker. Very excited to introduce this company to you all. Ben, welcome in, my friend. How are you? i'm good hey guys how are you good where are you calling from or where are you calling in from
3: uh lovely northern california finally not raining so it's outstanding
0: don't lie you're rooming with jigger right (laughs) you guys are roommates we're close we're close yeah (laughs) Well, welcome in, my friend. Uh, real quick, tell us a little bit about Embroker to start. What, what does Embroker do? What do you do for cannabis companies? Just a, a high level for us, if you don't mind.
3: Yeah, for sure. No, no, no problem. So um, we are we are in the insurtech tech space, um, and that is a, a broad bucket of companies um, because it's it's quite diverse. But you know, we are very much a technology company that is um, trying our best to innovate the very old, very stale way of. Um, one, understanding, and two, purchasing insurance at a commercial business level. Um, And so we are trying to make it radically simple for vertically focused companies to purchase their commercial insurance. Um, And so we do that leveraging AI, um, machine learning, and a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of tech that we've built internally um, to render that. And obviously, one of the bundled solutions that we have and one of the verticals that we identified as critical path is obviously the cannabis space. Um, so I, I I loved your first guest. He's exactly our target audience. Um, <laughs> love love the innovation. Love pushing the envelope. I mean, I'm, we know them well. Um, it's a great company. So, one
1: one of the things that, that that you promise, or two things that you promise on your website, is get insured in fifteen minutes and get the best prices. Can you elaborate on both of those? The, those two sound like promises that are too good to be true. <laughs> How are you doing it? Yeah. Look, I mean, it's. Um, I mean, just look at traditional insurance, right? The, this is not
3: a new industry. In fact, in fact, it's one of the oldest. I mean, you're talking about a hundred year old plus or, you know, um, set of very large organizations that are laden with paper and friction and complexity and their own vocabulary um, that the average business consumer, frankly, has no desire to understand um, or or time to. Um, and so you're in as a buyer, if I'm a small business owner, I'm a venture-backed technology company. um, I'm saddled with the responsibility effectively of a business tax of, of, purchasing insurance to cover my risk profile. And so for us, our goal is to actually eliminate that process from the traditional paper ridden multi-week process. And so if you go into our platform, you find the vertical that applies to you, you fill out one application. We actually just launched something called Broker one, which is a singular application that actually allows you to fill out one form and get exactly the coverage you need. Um, but you strip out a lot of that back and forth. You strip out the paper. You strip out the friction. That allows you to actually give back margin that was kind of hidden in that process, quite frankly. Um, and then the big thing is um, kind of twofold. You know, our goal is to decomplexify, if that's a word. Um, it is now. Pro- you know, the process <laughs> of of even understanding what the heck you're buying, right? Like most, if I'm a if I'm a venture back technology company and my VC just handed me a term sheet and part of it says I have to buy DNO. I don't know what that is. I want to go build product. I want to go innovate. I want to go sell cool stuff, gain market share. I don't want to deal totally. with that. Mm. So when I get to whatever source I have, whether it's a buddy of mine who's a broker or an online presence, I want it to be simple. I want to understand what I'm buying, understand that when I need it, it's going to cover my rear end. And then I'm not getting screwed on price, and so we're trying to actually solve all of those very simple processes um, in an industry that is like heavily heavily regulated. Um, it makes the cannabis space look simple, quite frankly um, and so you know look i mean it's it's a problem that has needed to be solved for quite some time. everyone knows it, um, and we're uh, we're tackling it best we can.
0: I have a couple of questions for you yeah. um, so when I think about how you operate internally, I'm curious, are you bringing tech? Uh, that you that has worked well in other industries over? Or are you innovating the insurance game in as an entirety, like all, all, for all of your industries that you work in?
3: Yeah, I, I would love it to be one or the other, but it's both. Um, you know, it's like the insurance industry is incredibly complex. It's heavily regulated. There are nuance between states. There's nuances within states by product, um, by scale of business, type of business, et cetera. Um, and that just swells as you start to really dig into the complexity of just the industry, obviously it's a risk bearing, you, know, you know, highly regulated space. And so what we were forced to do is actually take the best of both worlds, all of the innovation that technology could bring things that were off the shelf, well-known machine learning, AI, um, you know, lots of uh, data ingestion technologies, et cetera, from third parties and so on, bring those to bear in solving, a you know, the complexity of basically taking a risk that you are able to identify, understanding what that looks like as far as the needs of that individual business, depending on how they fill out this one application of ours, and then giving them not just uh, you know, a million suggestions that they then they have to sift through, but the appropriate suggestions. And I think that's where, you know, we're slightly different than others, is we're trying to embed kind of the strategic guidance that you would get from a broker into technology so that you're not just getting like a bunch of. Oh, you know, here's 20 of the same thing you choose. Like, that's not really all that. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're trying to say is like, hey, you know, your unique business. Here's what this is the best one. Here's what we think. And set yeah. it up to you in a really easy way to buy it.
0: So uh, the uh, second question here, I'm, I'm curious about the evolution of tech as yeah. an insurance provider and, you know, what the market at large demands from you is this something that you all are choosing to change or is this something that we're seeing across the board from others is, you know, basically, and I'm not just speaking about insurance. I'm really speaking about uh, compliance providers. I'm, I'm speaking maybe about auditors and accountants and, 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 you know, potentially, you know, law firms and data providers. Uh, is this the future or are, are your types of companies going to become tech companies as we move forward?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, so i am am a, I'm a, 30 plus year tech guy. So I would say we already <laughs> are a tech company. Um, I'm just going to be totally biased here. Um, no, look, I mean, I think, I think it's, um, it bleeds into every part of the business. It bleeds into all industries. It bleeds into the cannabis space. Um, I mean, you just look at, um, you know, old school cultivation, right? If you look at the, the, the typical footprint of the early days, you had a mom room, you had grows, they kind of fed each other. You were taking up a 30 year space with non-revenue generating product. That, that's going to go away. Like you're going to end up in a space where technology brings to bear a better solution, even in the cannabis space. You're going to get folks like, um, you know, we have have some really amazing clone providers here in Northern California. You get somebody like a Conception Nurseries or someone like that who's doing advanced, you know, clone, you know, tissue sample based cloning. Okay, well, I just innovated via technology an entire way that like the production process works how you regulate the type of fertilizers you use, the production of light quality and air quality. all That's all technology-based innovation that is going to be being brought to the cannabis space. That same thing applies to insurance, to the automotive industry, core manufacturing, et cetera, regardless of state, regardless of country. It's just going to happen. Um, you know, The insurance space has fought it um, because, frankly, they're very large organizations that are – you know, have a, have a, have a predictable way of doing business, but even they realize that technology is the future. And, you know, folks like Broker yeah. are, are ahead of the game in a lot, of, you know, a lot of ways.
1: And actually like looking at your cannabis client roster, one of the things that, that, that caught my eye was how most of them are, are like the more, more tech forward kind of companies, right. Whether it's like Leaflink or front range biosciences, right. They're, they're very tech inclined, So they understand that they are not uh, scared or spooked by by uh, algorithmic underwriting, right? <laughs> and those sorts of things. Um, now, you know, I, I, moving a little bit of, along with, with this conversation, Yeah, uh, I want to talk a little bit about financing, right? I know you, you raised uh, $100 million less than two years ago. Uh, how have you used that money? Are you planning to raise more money? Have you ever thought of going public? I mean, considering you raised $100 million, you know, I'm, I'm assuming... The valuation—I don't know what percentage of equity you gave out, but but I'm assuming it's at least a three, to four, four or five hundred million dollar company, right? So, have you considered going public? What were your raising plans?
3: Yeah, you know, I um, so one I'm incredibly fortunate. Um, I would not want to be raising going into 2023. Um, I think it's going to be just a touch bumpy. Um, and so we feel we feel incredibly fortunate that we raised such a large round. Um, this past year from some actually incredible um, investment partners um, in FTV Capital and Canaan and Tola um, and B partners and, and others. And so, um, you know, re- really feel you know, quite blessed to, to be in that position. Um, you know, again, we are very much a tech forward company. Um, and so our investment strategy is very much to harden the technology, roll out additional verticals to better serve vertically specific business um, types um, and then we want to be innovative, right we want to make it super super easy and so you know it's not like we're going to stand up our platform and have it sit still we're going to continue to innovate, add features and functionality um potentially look at some m a um you know we're we're not opposed to to any of that. I think um you know there's going to be quite a bit of acquisition activity, whether it be somebody looking to acquire Embroker or us acquiring someone else um, I think there's lots of opportunities i think our our position has been. Be as optional. I mean, have optionality, have choices. Um, as far as going public, I'm not entirely sure that the public markets are going to be uh, have an appetite for any um, IPOs that I think we'd be happy with in 23. But um, if that came to pass, that's that's outstanding too. So,
0: just you know, go for it as a tech company, and you know, be super volatile in trading. So, uh. well,
3: look. I mean, we we also learned a lot. I mean, we were. Super fortunate um, to have seen some of the early IPOs that went out through um, through SPACs and some other things, mm-hmm. and uh, and watch them sort of um, you know feel the brunt of the market actually beating them up on it. Um, that we don't want to repeat that, and nor do we need to. Um, we're quite happy operating the way we are, and you know continuing to serve our customers and innovate and do all those things. So.
0: It's it's an interesting parallel to NorCal. Uh, and how they chose to grow. They're an OG. They've been around for a while, and they most likely could have gone public a hundred times, but yep. here they are thriving uh, as a private operator.
3: Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, what resonated so much with me is he. They hire outstanding people. Um, you know, the reason that we selected the cannabis space as a core vertical for us um, is real simple, right? It's filled with. Um, you know, hyper aggressive um, entrepreneurs who are innovative and want to scale and, um, you know, want to do their best to serve their customer base. That's exactly the type of customer that we want to serve.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and so for us, I mean, it's so much of what he said about how they hired early, great talent, held on to them, solid investments. You know, they do, they're doing a great job, they're putting out a good product. I mean, that's that's the name of the game.
0: All right. Last question, my friend. Uh, and okay. then we got to wrap up. No what is one thing that would shock us about the cannabis insurance space? Great question. P- putting shock. you on the spot. Um, shock me,
3: Ben. As difficult as you think it is for cannabis um, providers to get insurance, it is way worse than what you think. Um, it is just, it's, it is, nobody wants to touch it. It's not federally legal. It's hyper-regulated. It's a pain in the rear end. Um, I think people, um, generally speaking, and this is a generalization. they are certainly cannabis experts in the insurance space, but I don't think people understand it very well. Um, and I think that they underestimate the intelligence and sophistication of of folks in the in the space. Um, and that's a that's a that's a shame. And so, I mean, we we've got to keep up with them. I mean, that's the game. So.
1: But how are you finding those insurers that are willing to work with cannabis businesses and are also good enough, you know, for, for your standards, right? Because if there's something you don't want from an insurer is to be a a B B-minus company, right? Absolutely. You, you want your insurer to be ultra responsive. Uh, I, I Last year, I, I, I had like, I, I buy like uh, my travel insurance for the entire year, right? Because it's it's a great service, and I don't like like the basic ones, Ace Access Card or whatever. And the one company I hired my travel insurance from suddenly went under, right? They they responded, yep. but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is not where I I, I want to be messing around. For so, sure. How are you finding those operators? Yeah, no, look, I mean, you're you're
3: exactly right. I mean, we you want you want your insurance provider to be an absolute trusted partner that you can rely on. Um, that is not something to scrimp on. Um, the folk, we, we partner with some incredible providers, absolutely incredible, that have leaned into this space um, and are innovating and adjusting and, and are committed to supporting um, this industry, whether it be, you know, a large, you know, international provider, um, like some of our customers, or a single shop dispensary that is just, you know, a couple guys and a dog trying to make it. Uh, <laughs> we want to serve the space incredibly well. And I think there's a lot of people that are committed to it and believe in it, you know, like wholeheartedly. So.
0: It's a great name for a podcast. A couple guys and a dog. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like we could probably take that. Ben, let's start a podcast. Trademark, copyright. Sorry. Yeah, dibs (laughs) on the dog title. Uh, Ben, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for enlightening us a little bit about how tech is kind of shaping uh, vendor relationships, service providers, and in the insurance space, especially when it comes to cannabis. So really appreciate you being here, my friend. Um, you know, we do hope to see him broker down the road, join us in Miami for our conference. We'll talk more about that, my friend, but, uh, that being said, thank you again for your time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks Ben. You too.
0: Awesome. A couple of really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, bzcannabis.com. We're going to go ahead and and throw that in in there. Yeah. Yeah, Bzcannabis.com. Wait, can we can we announce our newest? What is it? Uh, April 11th and 12th will be cannabis. April 13th will be psychedelics at the Fountain Blue in Miami, mm-hmm. Florida, on Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be stellar. We already have the CEO of Kronos Group, Nasdaq listed C R O N. We already have the CMO of True Leave, Gina Collins. We talked to mm-hmm. a really cool company today. I can't announce it yet, but I cannot really? wait. I cannot he wait. Uh, I'm just gonna say it's they're not in cannabis. Um, so oh, wow, yeah,
1: it's gonna what? be sick. It's wait, wait, gonna be wait, sick. Is it something I
0: don't know. It is something you don't know. Um, so Whoa. that's gonna be sick. I will say Bye, we I can can't. announce. <laughs> Canacor Genuity will be back, dropping some uh, financial knowledge on us. One of the leading investment banks in the world uh, will be joining us. But it, it, it's gonna be stellar, guys. You gotta have to be there. BzCannabis.com. Check out our current agenda check out our current lineup, but keep an eye on it. That lineup's only going to grow over the coming weeks and months. Uh, and we're working with some really cool people to make it happen. So that being said, Javier, last words to you, my friend.
1: Benzinga.com slash cannabis for your daily dose of cannabis news. Remember to subscribe to our newsletter. You can go to Benzinga.com slash cannabis slash newsletter if you want to subscribe. And of course, check out Mr. Elliot Lane's daily podcast cannabis daily drops every morning super early the other day like two, two days ago i was i was texting him it was like 8 20 a.m i was working in bed because i i don't like to start working from a desk before nine like dude you already recorded the show published it i cannot believe you already huh? read the news recorded the show you were bathed you were combed
0: <laughs> I I get, I also have a five month old child, so sleeping much in yeah. is not look, a reality. Look at you, but look that at being you
1: adulting, yeah.
0: But that being said, um, y'all check it out. Cannabis Daily Javier Hase continues to distract me in the middle of my podcast by texting me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I loved it. Uh, but that being said, thank you all so much for tuning in, Rusticale Change Agent. Thank you all very much. We will see you again on Tuesday at four Eastern Time. Couple more insanely cool uh, interviews, including the new CEO of Merrimed will be joining us. I'm very, very excited to talk to him. We're going to talk about the lasting impact that Bob fireman has had on this industry, as well as where Merrimed is going from there. We're going to be chatting with one of the leading uh, tech companies, private tech companies, blaze, as well as order.co, a really cool new FinTech place. We have a very busy show on Tuesday, three, (laughs) three executives on Tuesday. So so be there, be square. We're not going to do news. We're going to jump right in. So that said, appreciate you guys. Javier. Love you, man. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys later.